Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to CBS Sports Island College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And in previous years leading into the NBA draft, we have dedicated short episodes of the Island College Basketball Podcast to some of the top tier prospects available. Uh, lots of times, guys, that Norlander and I have been watching, writing about, talking about for, for years since they were in high school. This year, we are doing the same leading up to the 2022 NBA draft, which is scheduled, put it on the calendars, June 23rd. Uh, in the previous episode, we profiled Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren. So if you missed that, go back and get it. Today, we turn our attention to Jabari Smith. Like Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, he's a one-and-done prospect, played at Auburn, Helped the Tigers achieve a number one ranking in the AP poll for the first time in school history. Deadleg, are you a believer in the idea of Jabari Smith becoming an NBA star? It's hard not to be a believer in this idea, but you know what? It's May of 2022. We're a month out from the draft and gosh, optimism reigns supreme. Go back and look at almost any draft ever and... You look at the top 10, top 15 picks in a given year. And if you're lucky, three or four of them like really, really hit. So it seems like Jabari Smith is going to be much more likely to be one of the guys, those three or four that really, really hit than not. But anything is possible. Man, this guy is 6'10". Skills galore. Lean but strong. Big time shooter. Might need a little more alpha in him. That might be the... Uh, if, you're gonna, if we're going to ding him for anything, he doesn't seem to have... Um, Really that, uh, you know, that complete I want to take over a game mentality the way that I think Chet Holmgren has to a certain extent. Paulo Bencaro, Jaden Ivey have. Maybe Jabari's missing a little bit of that. Weirdly, there were times when Auburn last season uh, just straight up refused to find Jabari Smith at the end of games. And maybe some of that's on Jabari as well for not commanding the ball. Um, but man, oh man, he's got a wonderful reputation for being, frankly, a humble teammate with all-star you know, NBA all-star DNA kind of stuff. Smooth stroke, effortless. I mean, effortless jump shot, GP. Can create off the dribble. Uh, is adroit at picking up and learning defensive schemes. High-end defensive potential there. Um, one scout I spoke with in, like, I want to say April, uh, he he sees them as, as safe. Um, I try and, We're trying to give you a little bit of, a, of objective analysis here, both from our own views and what we're hearing from people. Uh, so... One scout on a team that's not in the lottery told me um, Jabari Smith to me screams 17 and 10 doesn't have a ceiling of a superstar as high as Ben Carroll, Ivy or Chet, but he ain't dropping below three, probably won't drop below two. Um, and he's considered the most likely number one pick at this point, er edging out Chet, I think. Um but man, another guy told me, listen, his shot is just too good. Like he looks the part in games. He looks the part in workouts. Uh, reviews are consistently great. Um, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation with his game as say Evan Mobley's, 
but Mobley hit in year one GP. And I think that Smith could have similar impact right away. Um, he's just hard to pass on because with every week, like with Ben Carroll and Chet, there was definitely like some big time games, but there was a li- little bit of ups and downs with Jabari for the most part, man, it was just, it was an escalator parish, like continual, continual. And he was not a guy. The thing was, the thing that's intriguing to me about Jabari Smith is when we got into the season, yes, he was evaluated as a one and done talent could be really good, but he was not anywhere close to the top five or 10 conversation for the NBA draft. And then by mid-December, he was clearly there, and then it continued to rise and rise and rise and rise. And now he's gotten to the point where he is the most he is the betting favorite to go number one to Orlando. Uh, we'll see if that winds up happening. But there's so much there. Well, you mentioned on the chat episode. It's it's hard to see someone of his size, his skill, frankly, his silkiness. Dude, silky as hell, and you know, GP. Like it's hard for me to envision looking six years down the road and being like, yeah, Jabari Smith, just, he's coming off the bench and averaging nine and five. It's hard for me to see that being the case. I think he's going to be a long-term starter in, in the NBA and will have uh, potentially like, you know, seven, eight, nine all-star game potential. To your initial point, I'm reminded of this um, every year with the draft. Like we spend so much time talking about these guys. And then I, I never think about them again. Like there's only been- so many, there's only yeah. so- there's only so many guys that can be really reproductive. So inevitably, yeah. some of the guys are just not going to hit. Just now, like, like, like to be clear, neither of us think Jabari Smith's one of those guys. We'll be talking about him for years to Hard come. To see it. Yep. Right. Yep. But like, and, and last year's draft was good. I mean, Kate Cunningham was really good. Evan Mobley, really good. Um, uh, Scotty Barnes, obviously terrific. I mean, last year's draft was pretty good, but like, I'm just pulling through it right now. I was like, Josh Primo, do you have any idea what kind of year? No, but it's huge <laughs> now again, let's also be fair. It's just been one year. I know, I know, but like, I I, like going into last year's draft, it's like he was the guy though that like suddenly yeah. out of nowhere. I was like, ah, yeah, but it was like it was like. Uh, so when the Grizzlies were playing the Warriors in the Western Conference semifinals, uh, Eric Musselman was at FedEx Forum. Like one of my, one of my buddies texted me like you know an hour before the game started. He was like, "Hey, Muss is here," and uh, and it, my thought was, "Why is why is Muss there?" Well, it's because Moses Moody is on the Golden State Warriors. It just, I, it had totally slipped my mind <laughs> that, that, that he, uh, these guys just, a lot of them just did, you talk about them, you talk yeah. about them, they just Kaminga disappear. Was huge last year. Now, Kaminga could grow into an awesome player. He's no, Kaminga, Kaminga's like, good. Burn right now in this series. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but he's going to be good. I yeah, think yeah. he's going to be I know, good. I know, I know. So, anyway, um, we might get to some of those prospects in these previews leading up to the draft where we spend 25 minutes talking about somebody and then we never think about them again. But Jabari Smith, not that guy. Six him forward, SEC freshman of the year, CBS Sports uh, third team All-American. He was ranked seventh in the class of 2021 coming out of high school. So this was uh, supposed to be a Holmgren, Bancaro. Um, you know, those are the guys that were at the top of the draft, you know, a year ago. And Jabari Smith very quickly in his only season at Auburn uh, proved that he was going to have to be a part of that conversation. He averaged 16.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, 28.8 minutes per game, 42.9% from the field, 42% from three on 5.5 attempts per game. So high volume, incredible three-point shooter. Like 44% of his field goal attempts came from three. And 72% of those makes from three-point range were assisted so it was a lot of catch and shoot stuff 
didn't really create much for himself. Um, it was a lot of catch and shoot or catch one bounce, pull up, two bounce, pull up. He didn't really bounce it more than twice too often. Um, so there's a need for growth there and plenty of room for growth there. Um, but I mentioned this on the Holmgren episode. Jabari Smith is certainly safer than Chet Holmgren. I don't know that he has the same upside, but he's definitely safer because he's 6'10", athlete, who is an amazing shooter. So on so 6'10", can switch on defense, guard in space, and then reliably make shots from the perimeter. And the shot, it's not like, it doesn't look great, but it goes in. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a doesn't look great, but it goes in shooter. Um, Jabari Smith, it looks great. I mean, it's 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 repeatable, high release. Uh, I can't imagine barring injuries, of course. I can't imagine him, you know, doing anything other than being, at worst, like a three and D guy in the NBA forever, and at best, uh, yeah, a, a, a superstar. Um, the question for me isn't whether he's going to be really good. The question is, can he be great? Will he be great? Um, and that you know. As always, we'll see, but there's a lot of stuff to like here. A lot of stuff. And and I, let me say this, and, and then I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. I remember talking to Bruce Pearl about him um, midseason. And on the home grid episode, you mentioned, like, nobody's going to outwork this guy. Nobody loves it more. And that might be true. That might be true. But I've heard a lot of the same stuff about Jabari Smith. Um, hard worker, really focused, wants to be great. And this stood out to me because I think this is a an interesting – personality trait maybe it's not even a personality trait but you'll get the point bp said he's everybody's best friend everybody think if you if you take my players and you say who's your best friend on the team they will all say jabari smith now now he you know he can't say he has a unique ability this is what bp told me to to connect with people in a way where they feel they feel like he's their best friend and growing up like i had a a friend like that it sort of reminded me of it like everybody was this one guy's best friend. If like if you asked me who's your best friend, I'd say him. And you ask somebody else, who's your best friend? They'd also say him. He was everybody's best friend. And BP described Jabari Smith that way, which I think is that's something that's something notable because it you is. know being loved and liked by your teammates is um, you know that's something that matters, and it, it it seems to be something that's a real positive for him. And that is a difference from Holmgren, which isn't to say Holmgren wasn't loved and liked by his teammates. I'm sure he was, but Holmgren was is more isolated. Um, he took a bit longer to like really become one of the guys. Um, a lot of that is like his, you know, as I mentioned on the Holmgren episode, this obsessive nature to like always be in the gym, get any kind of coach, uh, any kind of team manager, just to uh, work on it over and over and over and over again. Um, Jabari being having those personality traits, you said, I think is a very good thing. Since I brought up the Holmgren splits, I'll bring up the uh, Jabari splits here. Um, first of all, uh, and I don't know if either of these guys will wind up having foul issues, but like Holmgren, you know, 27% of the games he played, he had four or five fouls. Uh, Jabari was only five, you know, by comparison, only had five such games with either four or five fouls overall. He's, uh, he's nearly as good of a defender overall profile wise as Holmgren. Uh, but not as likely to get played off the floor with that. Splits, tier A games, Ken Palm, he had 11 of them. 
19.7 points, 7.8 rebounds, 1.4 blocks. When you go tier A and tier B, so 21 of the games that he played this past season were against good to great competition. It drops down to 17.1 points, 7.1 rebounds, 1.2 blocks for the season, 16.9 points, 7.4 boards, 1.0 blocks there. Nothing overly concerning with that. Uh, fairly consistent throughout. But yes, there were times, and I don't know if Jabari Smith's going to be a guy three seasons from now, six seasons from now, when you get to the final two minutes of a game, if he's going to become the go-to guy to, to get a bucket. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case or not. He actually could wind up being, why I like Smith so much actually is I, I can see him being this really, really, really good player who can serve so many different purposes and so many different roles on a team. So he might play on a team, let's say he goes to Orlando and be it, you know, Cole Anthony growing into a, a, a big time score, or, you know, Jalen Suggs. So we didn't even, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be a huge factor, but Suggs playing for Orlando, that was Holmgren's teammate. Certainly will be something, I guess, but um, maybe Suggs grows into this kind of guy. I can see Jabari Smith being the kind of guy where sometimes he, you want the ball in his hands in the final minute. Sometimes he might be um, the guy who you can use as a decoy in that kind of situation there. The way I had it explained to me by one NBA evaluator. I thought this was interesting. He, he basically said, it's hard to recall the last time a guy that was going to be in the conversation for like a top three pick looked this good through one year of college. And yet, like he had so much about him that was refined. Like the little things that often need tweaking with um, uh, defensive habits, shooting form, like he doesn't, Jabari Smith doesn't need a lot of that yet at the same time. So a lot of it's like there, you see it, Right. But he's like, the feeling with Jabari Smith is that there's a chance he might only be 50% of the player he could grow into Parrish, which is enticing, exciting, and scary as hell for anyone who doesn't draft him. Because if that winds up being true, like if, if we look seven years into the future and Jabari Smith is like one of the five to seven best players in the league and he's so much more then as, than what he is now, like significantly more then yes, then he'll need to be the number one pick, even if Holmgren winds up hitting big because he's going to be an awesome two-way player. He's got the size. You know he's going to bulk up even more. You you can see so much of it there. But it was kind of eye-opening to hear this one NBA evaluator say, there's so much to love here, so much that's established. But has he even emerged from the cocoon yet, so to speak? And if, and if, if Orlando believes that, then they will take him number one. If Orlando thinks right now we are getting... In drafting Jabari Smith, we are getting phase two of a guy that we think has six phases, so to speak, Then he'll go number one. Because if they think that's what's going to happen, he grows into that. I don't think the debate is, is really all that there because of what he can do. He's just so well-rounded. He's so reliable. And I think you could say, although I'll make, the, I'll make this case in the Palo episode, you could make the case if you want that his floor, Jabari, is higher than anyone in the draft. Oh, for sure. I mean, because again, 6'10 athlete who can switch on defense and make shots like those guys are super valuable in the NBA. Um, they're not always stars, but those guys like his baseline. I think his worst case scenario is is really, really good um, based on all the things we've already said. And then, you know, now now then the question becomes, OK, but can he be great? And that means developing into more of an isolation player into more of a get-your-own-shot guy because, you know, people see, you know, uh, projected, uh, you know, top-five pick, perimeter-oriented guy, super long, and they, they start thinking Kevin Durant, 
Kevin, even at Texas, was already, you know, creating for himself. And, you know, um, you, you could just clear the floor for Kevin Durant and he'd go get a bucket. And the truth is that at Auburn, Jabari didn't really do that too often. I know Auburn fans, every time you'd watch a game, they would be in late game situations and it'd be like Wendell Green or Katie Johnson, like taking over the games. And like Jabari might make shots. But that's really all he would do is make shots. When you needed to, hey, I need somebody to go make a play, it usually had to be somebody else. And Auburn fans would like be going crazy on Twitter. You know, why did we not get the ball to Jabari Smith? Because it's hard for somebody to to for some people to <laughs> Jr. was not passing up. That's why. <laughs> well, that's a part of it. But even then, they on that play you're talking about. Was that the one that ended the season? I feel like they were trying to run Jabari off of a screen and they yeah. couldn't they couldn't get him loose. We talked about this on the pod. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. They could it, it started too late or they couldn't get him yeah. loose or something. But um it's hard sometimes for people to wrap their mind around we've got the number one pick in the draft. Why is he not taking these shots? And the answer to that question is um as it pertains to Jabari was because he you you can't just throw him the ball and say, go get yours. Like, that's not really what he was equipped to do um, as talented he is. So that, to me, is you tell me if he's ever going to be somebody you can throw the ball to and he can go create a scoring opportunity for himself the way some of the greats do, then that's, you know what, I'm sold. Let's make him the number one pick in the draft. I'm just, I'm not concerned. I don't mean to, to, to put it that way. But the fact that he still needs to develop that is, is, you know, worth noting because he's not coming into the NBA as a shot creator. He's coming in the NBA as a shot maker. You know, you get him a corner three, he'll knock that down. You let him, you know, um, jab, step, pull up, one bounce, pull up, two bounce, pull up. He can do all those things, but he doesn't really do a lot more than that right now, which is, um, you know, he, he's an unfinished product. He's a teenager. Uh, but, but like if he can ever get that stuff into his repertoire, so to speak, that now you, you got something really, really special. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. I was in, I was, I saw Jabari Smith's last college game in person. Um, I'm often fascinated by the way, sometimes how like projected lottery picks, how their careers end in college when they end in a way that isn't expected and two seed Auburn getting knocked out by Miami, uh, definitively 79 61 at the bond Secours wellness arena down there in Greenville, South Carolina, Jabari Smith, had one of his worst games of the season from an offensive standpoint. Uh, basically, you know, basically 
points per shot, points per possession for him. Ten points, two of eight from two, one of eight from one of eight from three. Had 15 rebounds. Some of that was out of necessity, uh, but four fouls, a couple of turnovers, and 35 minutes there. It was it was a mess. Um, just a weird way. I remember when the game ended, being like, "This guy could go number one." And holy crap, that was just like the, what an awful way to end your college. But sometimes that happens. That's not sure. going to be. That's just not going to be the way that uh, that he's. Uh, remembered at Auburn, nor should it be. He was incredible. He started 34 games and uh, was, you know, the most um, the most interesting player in the SEC. He wasn't the SEC player of the year because he happened to play uh, in the same conference as Oscar Shibuya as Kentucky, but uh, certainly fascinating all the same. I'm, we, we don't go crazy on player comps here um, because they can sometimes be fraught, but I will tell you, it's hard for me to kind of shake one particular player comp of another guy that went top two in a draft, 2005, this player did not start a single game in his career. Marvin Williams out of Carolina. Now, Marvin Williams, I got his final stats here. All right. First of all, his best season from the field was his third season when he averaged 14.8 points. He finished for his career. He played up until 2020. Like, you know, good career. But this is another example of like you get taken second overall. Sometimes you're a jag, right? You're just a guy. Marvin Williams, 10.2 points, 5.2 rebounds. Man, he was 6'9", similar similar type of frame, uh, 1.3 assists, half a block a game, 0.8 steals a game, finished playing 1,072 games for his career, but, uh, you know, made some playoff appearances with the Hawks. 2016 with, with Charlotte, 5.1 points a game in the playoffs there. I think Jabari Smith will be better than this, but again, let this serve as a reminder. Um, maybe Marvin Williams isn't a great one-to-one in that, again, he was on a championship winning Carolina team came off the bench on a stacked 05 heels team. Um, but I remember the big thing that th- season with him going and being projected at the time, it's like a dude that came off the bench is going to be this number two pick in the NBA draft. It turned out, well, maybe that shouldn't have been, you know, the best decision real quick reset on that 05 draft. Here it is. Bogut one, Marvin Williams, two, uh, Darren Williams out of Illinois, three. Chris Paul goes four out of Wake. Raymond Felton, five. Martel Webster out of high school was six. Charlie Villanueva out of UConn went seven. Channing Fry, who I loved in college out of Arizona, went eight. Ike Diagu out of Arizona State went nine. And then Andrew Bynum out of high school went 10. If you're looking for another really, really good player out of the 05 draft, I'm looking, trying to see if I found one who's like, geez, man. Danny Granger, 17. He was solid, I guess. But man, oh man, Nate Robinson stuck around for a while there. It's wild looking at this stuff, GP. The guys that go here, good God, Von Weaver at 39. Shouts to Von. No, if you go back and look at any draft, any draft, you're going to find about 10 to 12 guys that matter, and the rest of them just don't. And that's really like, oh man, I think you're going to struggle to find 10 in this 05 draft. So again, that's the reminder there. But Marvin Williams sticks out to me as a, uh, as a comp there. And then last, last thing. Uh, you mentioned that go get a bucket. That's the thing I have noted here as his weakness. He is not as aggressive to the rim as he should be, as he can be. It's hard to find a lot of flaws with Smith overall. Um, and it's hard to find a lot of flaws with guys in the conversation going number one, because usually if you're in the conversation, yeah, you might have some, some dings on you, but there's a reason why you're in the conversation for that. You'd want a little bit more. I know he had like the dunk of the tournament. I get all that in the first round uh, against the 15 seed. I get that. But um they probably want to see a little bit more of that. That's the thing that you're going to probably hold against him. But overall, love the player. Great reputation. 
Super excited to see what he grows into because I think that he can be an immediate impact year one kind of guy. Last uh, point I'll make is that this is something that matters and something that's going to come up. Um, you'll hear about it leading up to the draft. Uh, the fact that his father played in the NBA. Um, his dad was a second round pick, um, played 108 games in the NBA, played 10 seasons as a professional, mostly in leagues other than the NBA, but um, he did play in the NBA. And I, I, I can't tell you how important that is as a part of the evaluation process for NBA front offices. Now, you know, you look around the league and it's filled with guys who are the sons of professional athletes, um, Steph Curry, uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Uh, like this is something that um, some evaluators, if not most evaluators really, really value because um, it, it suggests that they've grown up around it. They know what it looks like to put in the work, know what it takes to, to be special. And there's been a real move in, in that direction um, in recent years in the evaluation process. Like, was is, is this person used to hear about, you know, what's his family situation? Does he come from a strong family? Um, you know, all those types of things. That's always been a part of the evaluation process. But you know, was his father or even mother a professional athlete? Because there's a pretty good pattern, a trend of the children of professional athletes going on and being, you know, high level professional athletes. And this is in all sports, all the way, uh, by the way, you know, Barry Bonds, King Griffey Jr. It's wild. I've now reached the age where I'm watching players get drafted and I, you know, I was watching their dads, you know, and now they're, they're, you know, uh, Al Leiter's kid, Jack Leiter, um, obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. There's a like, being the son of a professional athlete is um, it, it's it's something that people care about, and and that's that's a po obviously a positive for Jabari Smith um, heading into this draft. Trivia time! Lay it on me. Jabari Smith's father, who was Jabari Smith Sr., played in the NBA. Jabari Smith Sr.'s cousin. Mm. Also played in the NBA. Marcus Zagorowski. That's not true. <laughs> I wish it was. How about this? Was a number one pick in a draft. Wow. Look at you right now. Jamari Smith Sr.'s cousin. So what does that make him to Jamari Jr.? Like a third cousin or a second cousin or something? I can't I'm not keep sure track how that works. I can't keep track of that. It's too hard to try to keep track of stuff like that. So who is it? Who is Jamari Smith Sr.'s cousin that went number one? Kwame Brown. I was gonna try and guess. I thought you were trying to ask. Me. Oh, oh, I thought you were asking me. I thought you were. I thought you'd give That's it up. Question. <laughs> question. You were setting me up. I thought you. But go back and listen to it. You said. You said. So. I know you know. It's right there. Why would I be asking you? You asked me. You said trivia time. You said trivia time. <laughs> I, I thought we had reached the point in trivia time where you were like, I don't know. So tell me, who was Jabari Smith Senior's cousin? I was going to go all little candy, to be honest. I was going to be my first guess. So, Kwame Brown, number one pick of the 2001 NBA draft. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck Larnell and Kwame Brown. Thank you guys for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. Dumb pandemic. Dumbest one of my lifetime. Period time as we go. Who was drafted second after Kwame Brown? Oh, God. Kwame Brown. First of all, 2001. 
Yeah. Kwame Brown drafted by the Washington Wizards. Who went to? Who went to in that draft? Quality Who? NBA. No, no cheating. No quality okay. NBA career. Quality. Not not Hall of Fame. He might have made. I'm going to say he made three. I'm going to say right now he made three All Star games. I'm going to look it up right now. Just for for high some player. High school player. One All Star oh, game. Man. Oh, um, I'm going to go. Played with the Lakers. Did this player ever play with the Lakers? No. Yes, he did. He played one year with the Lakers. Oh God, I want to. I'm. I'm. Not Eddie Curry, but the other guy. Correct. You're. You're sniffing. It's the other guy in that class. It's not Eddie Curry, but it's the other guy. That was supposed to be the great reconstruction of the Bulls post Jordan. He was a big. He was a big. People Mother. screaming into their phones right now. Eddie oh Curry and God, I <laughs> Tyson Chandler. Boom. Yes. Kwame Brown, Tyson Chandler, Pau Gasol. Not sure who that is. Eddie Curry, fourth, and then Jason Richardson, fifth. Oh one draft. All right. Sorry for hijacking your outro there, but I just you know how about that? There we go. Subscribe anyway. You subscribe to podcasts, including the Apple Podcast, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them. So make sure that's reflected in the comments. Before you get out of here, smash that like button. It really does help. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, shame on you. But please knock it out now, and we will talk to you again next up, Apollo Bancaro episode. Can't wait for that. We'll see you soon.